Everybody and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am Ethan Colburn and I am Clara Curtis. How are, how are you doing today, Clara? I'm doing great. We've had some really exciting technical difficulties today. So exciting! Uh- <laughs> so exciting. It's like nine. We were supposed to start at eight. I'm just like, I need to eat dinner, and then mm-hmm. and then we just start talking, and none of it was recorded. And then and then I'm like, we should figure out the audio setup. It's nightmare. We don't have a show planned for next week, and I'm just realizing this. So I have nothing to oh, announce. Shit. Uh, yeah, uh, we announced that we are thankful for you. Uh- we are thankful <laughs> for you, and we're talking to you. You specifically and- listening. And- <laughs> Tune in next week for our mystery episode. Try and guess what we'll speak about. Here is your hint. It is a movie between the years of 1900 and 2021 best of luck guessing jokes on you i pick a trip to the moon from 1898 so oh um, <laughs> we are uh we are drinking palomas for this episode did did both of you we can just go into this now did both of you make yeah. palomas hi Wait, elena we have to hi. Yeah, yeah, we have to, <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here <laughs> oh no elena is our guest Oh, so happy gosh. to be here. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. It's been it's been a blast so far. We've been we've been here for an hour and we're just now starting. <laughs> we're just starting. The night's just beginning. Um good. Yeah. Okay. Um Palomas, which I thought turned out pretty well. Did did either of you make a Paloma? I, I did. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan, and that's why I'm probably not super eloquent right now. Is because I've that's totally I've really fine. been enjoying it. <laughs> oh, I yeah. have also been enjoying them. Clara, did you make a Paloma? I did not make a Paloma because I was in a plant class uh, up until right before we hopped on here. So I'm gonna crack <laughs> I'm gonna crack open a high noon, um, a vodka and soda pineapple, which is left over from my time doing Chunking Express. So here we go, ASMR. Yummy. So yummy. Um, Palomas, which are a pretty simple recipe. You can find them on my Instagram and Twitter at Cinefleck and at Cinefleck pod. Thank you to the patrons, Sydney, Stephen, Isaac, Zach, and Griffin. Uh, We are talking Diabolique this week, which is a French horror movie, which Claire has yet to see. Um, Very exciting. And uh, if you want to like join that chat, we always like to talk to people because we're social i think (laughs) um and leave a review on itunes that would be great and uh yeah yeah nomad land nomad 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 mad land time yes um (laughs) how what 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 were you guys's uh so you guys have both seen this before right Mm -hmm. i've seen it twice before yeah You've seen it twice before. Okay. Yeah. I did my homework. <laughs> nice. What, what, um, what, what were your like first, what, what was your first experience with the movie then Elena? 
honestly, the first time I watched it, I watched it alone and um, I, I really liked it. I could acknowledge it was a good movie, but otherwise it didn't really, it didn't really hit me, you know? Um, and then I rewatched it with my parents um, and they loved it. Obviously, my dad was very set on buying an RV and quitting his job afterwards. Lovely. Yeah. And and once again, it, it didn't it didn't really hit with me. I, I, I really liked it. I, I obviously could appreciate it cinematically, but otherwise it didn't really strike a chord. And then on this rewatch, I don't know what happened, I, <laughs> but I, I was bawling. I was so just enthralled with I, oh my gosh I loved it I loved it oh yeah really holds up totally Clara what were your what were your thoughts uh the first time versus now yeah um I went to look up which film festival we watched it at because I couldn't remember which one it was last did fall. you and I watch it the same time? I think we did I no we, we did. did and that and that I know for a fact because part of this is relating back to you. Uh, <laughs> oh so, no, a story about me. Ha <laughs> ha! Get ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we watched at a film festival last November, um, and I was really excited about it. I yeah. like there had been like the little bit of buzz um, from the earlier festivals in the in like the summer and whatnot. It played at Berlindale, didn't it? I think it. Might have mm. opened or Venice did it open? Yeah, yeah, Venice because it won the yeah, Golden yeah, yeah, Lion. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, I remember so, that from the opening credits. Yes, <laughs> so we were like jazz about it. I was so excited. I love Francis McDermott, so I was like, hell yeah, this is gonna be dope. Um, and then I watched it, and it was just so much more than I expected it to be. Like in terms of like emotional weight and just like how beautiful it was. Uh, and I'm like the type of person who like the second I finish watching a movie, I'm like immediately writing my letterbox post just because like I am thinking about what I want to write the whole time uh, <laughs> ahead of that. And so I was like, the movie ended and I just couldn't think of anything to write, like not because I didn't have anything to say. I just was like so overwhelmed. And so I just sat on it for like days. And then eventually Ethan texted me and was like, uh Ethan was like when are you posting your Nomadland review (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh god I don't know (laughs) and then I finally did uh so I loved it the first time and then I just became like a cheerleader for Nomadland for months and it was one of those ones where I'd post it on my Instagram story and be like get ready it's coming but it took so long to come out that I think everyone was just like shut up uh (laughs) and then Uh, and then, yeah. And then I rewatched it today. Today was like my first rewatch and it was be- honestly better in a lot of ways than the first watch. Better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I, I know agree. because, because like our whole Oscar episode, you're like, I'm bum. No, Matt. <laughs> and what then I I'm wanted like, all year. I know. I'm like, <laughs> just torture yourself with this shit. Like you're like, you're like my favorite movie didn't win best picture. <laughs> Like, I don't feel bad for you. No. Um, <laughs> literally, even if it's in your top two movies, like it'll never happen again. We're like one of a movie from your top two. It's never happened to me until like Parasite. But like, it, yeah. it, there's never it'll never happen again. We're like a movie in your top two movies will win Best Picture. So just just let it sink in. Let the moment I just don't sink know in. how to be happy. And I think that's fundamentally, <laughs> what, you know, if, if there's someone thing we've learned together over <laughs> recording this podcast (laughs) 
Oh man, I'm sorry. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh, um, so Chloe Zhao. So, like, love her. Love her, right? Love. Yeah. Isn't she okay. She like shows up to the Oscars, and she's always like got the same look. She's like no makeup and, and braids, like, but like two braids down the side. And I'm just like, that's her. She's just adorable. She's like an adorable great director and um i think there's something so like crazy to me about like the idea that i mean i haven't seen her other movie i can picture the po- what's her other movie called clara you know i'm sure the one with the ho- cowboy on the on the poster i don't know okay well there's one with the cowboy <laughs> on the poster cut this out <laughs> that was fine my my point is my point is I think it's it's kind of crazy to me that someone that like grew up in a different country like mm-hmm. feels like they like she can so easily di- like distill like America into these like mm. small things and she feels like right. she understands this country so well. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that a lot during this watch. I, I was thinking about how I I think sometimes like outsiders can see things more clearly and um even though it feels like, wow, like how, 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 how is she able to understand this so well? I mean, I, I think about that a lot when like, if you see like your friend's parents interact with them and you're like, well, you're way too attached to your mom and your mom clearly has issues with like, your mom clearly has dependency issues and your friend's like, oh my God, how did you know that? It's like, there's something about (laughs) this is... (laughs) There's something about I love this example. Yeah, solid comparison. (laughs) There's something about seeing something from the outside Mm -hmm. where I think you're able to distill things so easily. And I I wonder if that's sort of why Chloe Zhao seems to like understand America and its problems so well. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Sort of a long question. (laughs) No, I think I think that's that's a great point because obviously when you're, you know, in in a relationship or in whenever you're in something, your view of it's kind of muddled because you don't have that outsider perspective. And it is interesting that her last movie was, you know, kind of a cowboy movie, American West. And then, and then this one obviously is very American as well. Um, Yeah. I I think that maybe just, and, and it was adapted obviously, but I think that she has such like a clear view of not only what it, what, a lot of America is, but also kind of the American dream. Like I think a lot of Nomadland is very hopeful, which I, I really appreciate it. But Clara, I didn't know if you had any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, my professor was talking about this a little bit in a way today of just how like we don't have a like definitive definition of consciousness because it's such a intrinsically personal experience and just how like every single person experiences life completely different than everyone else and we like to um imagine these really intimate connections with other people and we do have those we do have intimate relationships with people and we can share experiences but our interpretations of those experiences will never be the same because we're processing it differently and we're seeing it differently um and I think that speaks really well into why Chloe's work works so well despite the fact that she is not from America it's that 
she is still perceiving the world and she's able to translate that in a way that's easily digestible um, but not too tied to one singular thing which is really interesting yeah no that's a great point that's like so yeah, eloquently was, put yeah too. that was beautiful I, mean, <laughs> I want to get it printed out <laughs> oh my god it, it reminds <laughs> congrats it, it reminds me too just like about like I mean, what, what you're saying reminds me of like, I have these moments when like I pass someone in the, when like, like I pass someone in like public transportation or like I pass someone on the freeway. Like I see just two people in a conversation and you just like cross paths with those, that person for a moment. And then you realize like that person has as complex a life as your own and they're Mm -hmm. moving about their world and like you'll never know what they're dealing with, but like they're, they're sort of on their own path. There's something sort of profound about like, I mean, it's almost impossible to comprehend how many people there are in the world. There's like 8 billion plus people. And yet they all have lives as complex as like the life you're living, which is so crazy to think about. Yeah. It's, it's a strange kind of shift, you know, from that, that first person view of like my life is, I'm the main character, you know, that, that kind of mm-hmm. thing too. So I, I, I feel it, especially when I'm in airports, you know, mm-hmm. I look around totally. everyone and it's just like, everyone's living this completely different life from me. And I mean, there's still people that I've seen that I saw on the street, like four years ago that I like think back to. And I'm like, huh, that's, that's so weird that four years later, they're still living, walking around. Like they weren't just like an extra in my life. They're, they've got their own thing going on. <laughs> Are you like a people watcher? Sometimes, yeah, I I always feel creepy doing it, but <laughs> no, it's kind you of a guilty pleasure. Totally, you got to do it subtly. Mm-hmm. You know, I told I told Clara this on on our first podcast because Clara was talking about how they always envy sort of like older couples that can be so comfortable with each other. They sit in silence, and I was like, the only time me and my girlfriend sit in silence is when we're trying to eavesdrop on other people <laughs> in the restaurant. Um, yeah, but that's, it's sort of what this movie feels like. I mean, there's, there's characters that come and go and, and there's, and there's, um, I mean, mostly non-actors, I believe, or a lot, lot mm-hmm. of the cast is non-actors and you feel like you kind of get a snapshot into their world and then they're sort of gone. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that I, I think I love the most about it too, is, you know, I feel like with van life, and the nomad style, a lot of what's propagated through social media is very like 20s, millennial, Gen Z. I rented a van. I tricked it out. Now I'm going to go drive to California. And and this shows such a vastly different side of that. And it kind of, it, it it's still glamorous in a way, but it's so authentic as well. And mm-hmm. that, that that's definitely one of the things that when I was watching it, you know, you kind of go in expecting if you're going to watch someone live in a van, it's going to be the 25 year old Instagrammer <laughs> that you see. Um, <laughs> and, and, and this is nothing like that. <laughs> Francis McDormand as an influencer is just a whole like, other <laughs> image that's popping in my head right now. But um, I mean, not like, like I, I would enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 it would be, it would be, be such but... a social experiment. If that was. <laughs> <laughs> it would a hundred percent be. Clara? <laughs> no, I I really like the way you put that, Elena, because I think in a way 
um like the van life we see when like it's young very pretty gen z influencers who are living their van life they're giving us a very sterilized glamour in that like it's very pristine it's very pretty to look at like it's on instagram for a reason you know they have a visual aesthetic going on for what they're posting whether it be a youtube video or an instagram post and then in nomadland we i i agree we are getting like a glamorized look at this life but it's not like elena said it's not it's very human it's very genuine it's very authentic and i think that's why it's so appealing is that what it is really doing is it's glamorizing what van life is actually supposed to be which is this exploration of like the most simple parts of life and i think that's what we're all so attracted to is just the simplicity and when we see it in like social media influencers it almost doesn't feel real because it's it, it's just so clean and in nomadland it's it's gritty it's dirty like there's <laughs> people pooping in buckets like <laughs> It's not pretty to look at in a lot of different ways. And yet it feels so appealing because it's glamorizing like the most basic um, lived experience of humanity, which is one that has escaped like the concept of like corporate life entirely. That's interesting. So do you find yourself sort of drawn to van living in, in some way when um, after watching this? <laughs> In some ways, I I would say not necessarily the van life, but the idea of being able to pick myself up and because I'm not tied down by a certain place or a certain amount of objects, I can just go where I'm longing to go next. That mm-hmm. is really, really appealing to me. The idea of like having to drive a van and like kind of worry about the stresses that come with that because there's plenty of stresses that come with living in a van obviously (laughs) oh for sure Um, yeah that puts me in an anxiety state like no other like the idea of that (laughs) sounds awful so I don't want to live in a van but I love I just love the minimalistic perspective of it of just seeking out experience over material objects or like status I'm definitely with Clara on that I think that there's a lot of attraction like there, there's a lot of attractive parts to minimal minimalism but even mm-hmm. even with with the immense freedom that comes with not owning a house and not having so many material possessions weighing you down there's still a lot of burdens that come with nomadic lifestyle like obviously you have the tangible ones like money car troubles that flat tire scene stressed me out so much <laughs> Um, but, but then I, I think that <laughs> there, there's also a lot of emotional burdens that kind of come with it. Like I, I'm a person that needs people around me. Like I, I, I feel like I'm introverted, but at the same time, I really need to feel like I have that support system. I love having family near me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't have that, it's you, you have this kind of vastness of independence, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's so big. Like, what do you do with it? I I don't even think that, I think that that almost, that would be more intimidating than, (laughs) you know, having a house and and being trapped or locked (laughs) down. (laughs) Trapped probably isn't the best word to use. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, I I don't know about you guys. I, I always sort of find myself like wanting Fern to sort of find more connection with people. Like I want her 
I really want her to stay at that house. And I think it looks like Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know, but it looks, it looks like it's like <laughs> Oregon coast. looks like a great place. They like want her to stay. Like the guy really likes her. I, I really like, I want her to, I understand why she leaves, but I want her to stay there. And I think side point off that, I mean, that's what makes Francis McDormand's performance so amazing in so many ways is the fact that like, so much of what you're seeing of her is sort of how she wants to present herself to other people. Like she, she really, she sort of puts herself together for other people so much. And is like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm doing good. Thank you for checking on me. Like she's constantly reassuring other people. And yet what you're sort of experiencing of her is her reassurance. And you have to interpret like her true motivations through what she's trying to reassure other people if that makes sense and so it's like what's amazing about her performance is that she's is that Frances McDormand you, you do get a true sense of this character even though she's almost not honest with anyone any other character if that makes sense yeah definitely I think that I, I think that the only times you really get to see Fern for who she is is those moments of solitude that are shown where she's just alone and and one of the things that I love love so much about the film is how there's such a wide range of emotions within those moments. Like sometimes she's alone and she seems perfectly content. And then other times she just seems so, like you can see that she feels that loneliness to her core. And the way that that fluctuates throughout the film is I think so, because it's so true. I think everyone kind of deals with that when they are alone. You know, that whole saying where you can be lonely when you're not alone and you can be alone when you're not lonely. I might've messed that up. I've been drinking, but <laughs> I know what you mean. You're all good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I like that a lot. And I think I think what's interesting about Fern's character, and I was like trying to find a way to articulate this properly, but I think part of her appeal is that her character has an agency that we don't really get from like any other character because all our like any other main character is tied to either family romance a job like there's something tying them to a certain place and so their agency is still there to an extent but it also is usually rooted in a place and so in my opinion like we're getting almost like a warped perception of like what that character actually wants because they're also trying to put like factor in these other things whereas with Fern she has no real anchors um like even her sister like (laughs) says quite bluntly like I wanted to like share these years with you and you're just not here and she acknowledges that but doesn't necessarily change her behavior in any way and I think that is really fascinating to see just because like in a way like it's upsetting to see like it's it's a sad thing to see like family who clearly love her like expressing like that they support her but they kind of want her around and she's just like I hear you but no no (laughs) Um, that's really interesting and so in a way like I see Fern entirely as her own character But I also, in another way, see her more so as like a vessel for us to encounter all these other characters in that like the book this is based off of is nonfiction, obviously, and it's about the author meeting all these nomads and like learning their stories and then just presenting those in a written form. And so Mm -hmm. in some ways, Fern is almost playing a narrator rather than 
an actual character in a lot of ways because she is to an extent she is interacting with these characters quite directly obviously but a lot of what we get from them are these almost like monologues of like their lost family members or what they want after they die or what they dream of of the future why they're doing this in the first place and I think that's really interesting and just that like in a way like not to discredit Fern as a character because she is a character in this movie entirely but like in a way (laughs) she's almost not a character at the same time in just that like through her and her movements that's how we get the true story of Nomadland which is the the nomads at large like the actual nomads who they're including in the film if that makes sense <laughs> no no it, to- it it totally makes sense to me I mean I think the only thing for me is like I I think I've I mean we've done a lot of movies on the podcast that feel like you have blank protagonists and I think that's a yeah. very it's a very interesting way to sort of um present a story is to have like sort of a protagonist that does that doesn't do much right I think with Fern I'm like I'm so invested in Fern Mm. and sort of her journey and I'm very much about about her unlike other movies let's just pull almost let's just pull almost famous out of Mm. like the box of movies with a blank protagonist but like almost famous Mm -hmm. I don't I don't care about the main character. I care about <laughs> everything's encountering. This movie, I, I'm really driven by caring about the main character, I'd say, through. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that that works so well, too, is because while Fern's journey kind of helps introduce all these other characters and shows their stories, their stories also kind of add on to hers and become part of her as a person because they've all been part of this nomadic journey that she's had. So you know, she goes through the movie and she's learning things and and being taught things from them and at the same time kind of learning their perspectives on life and their philosophies and adopting them as her own. So I, th- I think that there is a really, a really nice kind of, you know, bouncing off of each other effect that goes on. I like yeah, that totally. That was actually something I was curious about hearing from you guys. Ethan, you kind of touched on a little bit like the I don't want to go as far as saying controversy because it's not like a controversy, but there has been like an interesting amount of like pushback for Nomadland after its release now. And like some people, it's because they're upset that Frances McDermott is the lead. Like they think it's not ethical that they're filming real people and then an actress involved, which is an interesting take. But the other thing people seem to be really upset about is that she works at Amazon. And so they're like really mad that there's like this feature of Amazon. Um, and I'm going to, okay, come, you come finish, off. finish your question. No, Sorry. no, it was really <laughs> just like, what do you guys think of like what, like, uh, I just feel like there's this random like push of like negativity all of a sudden for the film, which is interesting. I will fight anyone that um (laughs) no honestly honestly um I think that I've talked about this in other podcasts I think there's I think that there's a certain level of like oh you think you're the best when you're like up for best picture that Mm -hmm. happens with any movie it's like I I've talked I've talked about this before. I think that like 1917 benefited from not winning best picture because like I can look back and be like, wow, that was a cool movie. That was like one take and really fun. And don't have to be like that 
fucking movie that beat yeah, Parasite. And-, and yeah, <laughs> but I think there's a certain amount of like hate that comes with like, oh, you think you're the best when like you're up for best picture, you win best picture. And I think that like Nomadland's experiencing this a little bit. And, and, mm-hmm. and for me, first of all, I mean, the controversy that I was reading about is the Amazon controversy. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that because I don't think it paints Amazon working in a good light at all like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like particularly like oh great like and then she goes to Amazon and life's all better it's like like, no she's like working working long hours (laughs) she's like working long hours in Amazon like it sucks I mean I mean it's not like it's you know, everyone, everyone, it's, it's, it's not like anyone there goes like, and Jeff Bezos has a bunch of money and he should, you know, like, like you don't have like direct political acknowledgement of over mm-hmm. like Amazon working conditions, but I have a feeling like everyone they encountered in, in that place was like, they were kind of presenting their stories. And so I don't like, I think by presenting it as it was, I don't necessarily like have a, have a problem. I, 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 I don't think it paints it in a favorable light. And I don't, and I don't think I needed like a direct acknowledgement of that. And similarly, like, I think, I think that like bringing Francis McDormand into a project like this, like bringing a somewhat famous actress into like a project like somewhat famous and extremely famous actress. <laughs> you, might, you might have heard her she's gonna be big one day one day she might even win an oscar <laughs> might even. oh my god no if you i mean i mean bring bringing bringing francis mcdermott into a project like this like brings it clout and attention and and brings me to a movie that i probably would not have seen had it been starring all non-actors so I think it, it is important to, um, you know, have have actors play these characters, and and I don't, and I I didn't necessarily agree with the Amazon criticism, I suppose. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same same page as that because I think that one of the best things about Nomadland is that it's it feels very authentic, and that's a combination of you know them having actual people with nomadic lifestyles. Um, paired with the way that Fern lives. I I feel like obviously Amazon has a bunch of jobs (laughs) um, seasonally. And and that probably is where a lot of um, a lot of nomadic people go to to get work and to get money because um, there there is a struggle, which you could see later on in the film that she had with finding a job. And uh, without that, without that seasonal bonus or that seasonal income, then they can't really afford. So I, I think that having that almost did make it more authentic. And and like Ethan said, there wasn't really any political affiliation with it. So it didn't bother me that much. I, I feel like it felt very, very real. And, you know, meeting up with the other seasonal co-workers the, year, the next year and kind of having that reunion was was cool to see. But um, and, and also with with having the real people there, there is a line between you know, fiction and, and nonfiction. And I think that they were able to blur that by cast by casting an actual, you know, somewhat known actress for the lead role. <laughs> along with <laughs> somewhat famous, almost famous, if you will. Almost famous, if you will. <laughs> 
three-time Academy Award winner. Like, Jesus Christ, continue. <laughs> but, but, but casting her alongside people that, you know, do live the lifestyle and can tell their actual stories, I think that it was blended really, really brilliantly because putting actors with non-actors and having it work is, is almost unheard of because they're, it's hard to have that suspension of disbelief when you do that. So I, I personally didn't have any issues with, <laughs> with either. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I didn't either. I just found it really interesting because, you know, and I think part of it is just like at first it was just like it took so long for Nomadland to come out. So there was all this hype behind it, but exclusively from critics who are looking at things from such like a more. Uh, this sounds so pretentious but in like a the more critics are gonna be so mad <laughs> God, no the normies are gonna be mad I <laughs> I just think critics are more inclined to try and look at like the full picture and like fully understand like intention and motivation behind stuff I know Ooh. Ooh. Uh, uh, <laughs> whereas like a normal audience member is more than often not like watching a movie because they just want to like escape or like have some fun for a couple hours um and so in a lot of ways like what they care about I feel like is going to jump out sometimes and so then when they're seeing like Amazon and they're anti-Amazon and they're not seeing an immediate like um negative affiliation with that they're like whoa why why whoa, whoa hang jump on. scare amazon makes their workers pee in bottles and it's like yeah we know um but also like where else are they supposed to work like i think that's the other yeah. hard thing is like i think we can acknowledge the exploitation that companies put on their workers and acknowledge how corrupt it is and fight to fix that but i also think we have to acknowledge the stability in any form it can provide of just having like oh like Fern knows that she can go back there year after year in the like during the season and get a temporary job and like there's there is a stability in that and people rely on that especially when we live in a capitalist society and so it's interesting how it has to all be negative it can't be this like neutral ground at all almost this movie doesn't almost like almost makes no judgments on people. I mean, Chloe Zhao said in her Oscar speech, which Claire and I talked about this, uh, (laughs) sort of Chinese, um, like quote from a poem or proverb or something that translated to like, everyone is born fundamentally good. Mm -hmm. And, Mm um, I, I do like, I heard it when I, I mean, I mean, I sort of, I sort of processed it in, hearing her on stage but then like re-watching the movie after hearing that from her is a very interesting perspective because I think that she f- she has so much empathy for like everyone she shows in the movie there's no villain mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. I mean I mean Fern isn't all good she just she just doesn't she doesn't see people as black and white which is just really interesting and it makes for it makes for just like I'm I'm always someone that just likes seeing nuance in things. I don't I don't like being hit over the head with any message. And so I just I I appreciate I appreciate like her her sort of her sort of the 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 perspective she takes in that, I guess. Yeah, I think that I think that that's that's a really good way to put it, because in, in the film, I mean, there's nobody that you don't really 
like, at least for me, I, every person I met was kind of, or met as if I was in the film. (laughs) (laughs) And every person that was introduced was, um, was very charming and in their own way. And it wasn't the typical kind of suave charm, but just, just a very real kind of, you know, everyone has their own issues and everyone has has their problems and their flaws, but there's also there's also a lot of beauty within people and, and a lot of hope. And um, I think that it was demonstrated very well. And, and you can definitely see that she she does have a lot of empathy for, you know, people and, and especially people that are that are just trying to live live that kind of life. Yeah. Clara? Uh, that was put perfectly. I, I totally said, agree. I said Clara, but it <laughs> sounded like, well, I said it sounded like Claire. And so I just wanted to confirm <laughs> that I didn't say your name. Right, I would never do that to you. <laughs> oh, I'm quitting again. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking another break for school, but it's not even for school this time. <laughs> um, I totally agree, Elena. And like to kind of go off part of what you said, this is gonna be such a dumb segue. Um, <laughs> uh, I mostly agree that there are no characters that I don't like in this movie, but there is one character I don't like in this movie. And he makes his appearance when Fern is a camp host uh, at that national park. She's cleaning the bathroom and this random man just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in and she oh. goes, oh, please, it's closed. And he just starts peeing in front of her. And she just she just has to leave. And I don't like that man. I hate that yeah. man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even counting him. As, he's he's blocked from my mind. <laughs> I wish blocked. I could forget him. <laughs> we need to find that man and dox him and then like cancel him. Like that is... <laughs> even part of filming it was just a random man that <laughs> yeah they were just they were just shooting like not only was francis mcdormand <laughs> acting like a bathroom cleaner but then this man just decides to be in the bathroom where they're it filming was, it was Outrageous. a brilliant improvisational moment he said yes and and just went with it uh, yes oh and my God. forget the amazon controversy let's talk about the bathroom man controversy, <laughs> the bathroom man controversy. where is the outcry for that that's what i want to know um no i feel that i feel that i have a question for you elena and um we can go back to whatever i was thinking at whatever point before this (laughs) Um, loads (laughs) loads into my brain um like you've you've acted for a number of years right i mean mostly mostly on stage right Mm -hmm. yes so so like is there like a particular like performance in this movie that stands out i mean there there aren't, i guess there aren't that many performance by like professionals in this movie but like is there a particular sort of type of performance that stands out to you that you sort of like are blown away by um i would definitely say francis mcdormand i've never seen any of what she's done i i think she's gonna <gasps> be big one day we already touched on this <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> It was, it was a great newcomer performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's got a long road ahead of her. No, that, that was one thing that I, you know, because I, I did have some experience in the industry for, for a number of years and there are different, there are different techniques that go into it and all of that. And so when I was watching it, I actually wasn't aware that a lot of these people were actors or weren't, weren't actors, excuse me. 
Um, I, I had no idea that they cast actual people living a nomadic lifestyle. And so that's why I was kind of struck by how, how genuine it felt. Um, I, because obviously most of the people there weren't like Hollywood pretty, like you couldn't, you could tell that they weren't, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to tread lightly. <laughs> no, no, um, I know what you mean. They're, they're not glamorized. Yeah. yeah they, they, they weren't glam. Yeah. You could tell they, yeah. Because a that lot of creepy. times with, <laughs> with TV and TV and movies, there's, a certain look you have to have. And if you don't have that look, a lot of people will tell you to go to stage acting. And it's it's a terrible thing to say, but it's it's just how the industry is. So when I was watching it, I was like, I love how, you know, this movie doesn't feel glamorized, even though there's so many beautiful parts of it. Um, everything feels, like I said earlier, very genuine. And, um, and, and I touched on this a little bit too, that having actors work with non-actors is usually a very difficult task because it's, it's, it's arduous because a lot of people just don't know necessarily how to act in front of a camera or um, don't know how to interact with, I don't know how much was scripted and how much wasn't scripted, but there's just, there's usually like some awkward moments, awkward pauses and, and just some, like you can, you can just feel that things aren't natural. And I didn't have any of that with, with Nomadland. So I thought that all of the non-actors they cast were perfectly placed and I thought um obviously I think the two the two leads were were both I mean obviously Frances McDormand was an actress but um um her David Strathern yeah thank you I couldn't think of his name um he he was great too I thought he was very charismatic and and charming and and like you said Ethan earlier like you you want her to stay with him at the end because it seems like such a great (laughs) great gig for her and and Mm -hmm. I felt the exact same way Give and and follow up point. Unless you have anything to say off this, Clara, because no. Clara and I um, often like it's often like I want I want the <laughs> couple to get together, and Clara's like they're better <laughs> off apart. So, how did you feel about this one, Clara? Did you did you want them to hang out together, or did you want them to split off? As I predict, you did somehow for some reason because I because you hate love. I so desperately wanted her to leave. I <laughs> see. I called it. I don't understand it, but I called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, no! Yeah, I I loved the intimacy of her kind of getting to come into his world so like intensely. Like it's not just that he is at home with his son, who he's estranged from, but mending things with there's a new baby that makes things more like emotional. And then on top of that, it's like a holiday. And so like, there's all these compounding things that just make it so um, significant. Uh, But the whole time, I just, I think what, I think why though, and this is different than normal is just, I don't think we ever reach a point where Fern is fully processing the loss of her husband until the very, very end of the film where she returns to their town. Up until that moment, like, I think there's such a big part of her that is still processing that loss. Like, when she's at that campground, she's talking to those two random women and, like, one of them is like, what's that on your finger? And she's like, oh, it's my wedding ring. And she's like, are you married? And she's like, I am, but he he died. But she still says, like, I am married. Yeah, and yeah so totally. I think, yeah. I think if she had stayed, it would have probably been great for a little while, but I don't think she had found the space and the, the room to let that go in the way she needed to. 
And that doesn't come until the very end after she's spoken to Bob and like heard such a beautiful monologue about like saying goodbye, but not like a final goodbye. Um, yeah. See yeah, you down the gorgeous. road. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I didn't want them to be together. <laughs> but okay, Clara, had, <laughs> would you have wanted her to like return there after she's had that realization? I don't know. And I think that is because I really do think she's a nomad because of her financial situation and the strain of the recession. Um, Like the movie takes place in 2011. So like, obviously there's a lot going on with that and that plays a big role in it. But I also think a big part of, well, what we assume a big part of why she's traveling the way she is, is because of the loss of her husband. So, but it's, we don't know that for sure. So I think it's hard to say because I don't like I don't know if her motivation for it is rooted in the mourning of her husband or if she truly, truly, truly wants to live that life. Like if she was only living the way she was because she needed to like escape like that grief in a way, like she's kind of traveling away from the grief, but in a way she's traveling to that grief, um, then yeah, I think she probably would go back and I would be, I honestly would be super stoked about that because I think she's processed and let it go. But if she's traveling because she genuinely just wants to live that way, then no, I want her to keep doing that. And I want her to be free and independent and not chained down by Dave. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to Dave. No offense to Dave. Do you love Dave though, Clara? Do you really love Dave? (laughs) I love. Um, How do you really feel? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. I mean, for me, like, I think I get really frustrated by characters in movies that like don't like follow basic social guidelines. Like, I will. (laughs) No, I mean, okay. I get really, I get really frustrated by the movie Drive, where Ryan Gosling is just asked basic questions, like, "Hey, how are you doing?" He's like, "Hmm," and you're like. You can respond like you can act like you're normal. I know you're being all moody, but like just <laughs> pretend to be normal for a second. This is like the sort of socially awkward person to me that's like, oh, did I offend someone? Like I feel for like a protagonist that's just like constantly not handling situations well. So I feel like I'm like, why did you just leave? Like they're going to be wondering what happened to you. And like, it's like my social anxiety is almost happening for her in that moment. So, <laughs> oh my God. yeah, for me, it wouldn't matter what I want. I'm a people pleaser. I would be like, is that if that's what you want? Yeah, I will stay, <laughs> I will stay forever. Yeah, <laughs> no, but even if she wants to leave, like, I just like, I wish she had that conversation and just been like, I need, I need to go, I need to go mm-hmm. for my husband. I, but I mean, again, part of why Frances McDormand's performance is so amazing is because I, I, I understand why she's doing everything she's doing. I just, uh-huh. I think I think I get frustrated because, you know, she has so many opportunities to sort of have a have sort of a community around her. And I don't know. I don't know what community she necessarily needs, like, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the nom- whether it's the nomadic community or her sister or Dave, Dave, Dave's yes. family, <laughs> Dave's family. Um, I think she has so many opportunities to have a community around her. And I think like, 
for her, just that sort of love and support would be very helpful for her. I don't know, like in what form it comes, that's fine. I just, I get, I do get frustrated with her sort of constantly rejecting that, um, that sort of community support that like wants to help her. These people that like, you know, want to be like, Hey, I've got a space for you. You're going to freeze overnight in her van. I frustrates me, I guess. Yeah. I can definitely see, see that to a point because she's like, for me personally, I'm a very emotional person. I'm very external with what I'm feeling. Like people know what I'm feeling all the time because I have no issue telling everyone, Hey, I'm sad today. (laughs) Um, but, but, but with Fern, you can see that she, I I mean, does she cry once through the entire film? Because she's obviously grieving the loss of her husband. Yeah. But I don't think no. So, so she's, she's very internal with a lot of her emotions and she might be an introvert on top of that, which is why she just seems to reject every single human connection she comes across. Um, and I don't know if that's, if that's partially out of fear, partially out of protection, but it is, it is frustrating to see to a point I can understand her reasons for doing so, yeah. you know, when you go through a loss like that, you don't necessarily want to get close to other people that you can lose. And I think that comes with age too. Um, but at the same time, it's, I mean, it must get tiring being alone all the time and just having yourself to depend on. I, I couldn't even imagine that. I agree, but I also don't agree. <laughs> I figured this is why I was throwing back to you. I figured you'd push back. Uh, um, and I think, and it, it's funny because it, it, this reminds me of when we were talking about Lori and Joe about in, in Little Women and just that, like, this is all definitely more projection than actual, like, character study. Um. <laughs> but (laughs) but like I don't know like I I would agree Elena I'm very emotional and like I don't mind like putting it on the internet but the second someone like responds to me and is like oh my god are you okay like do you want to talk about it I like I don't even (laughs) respond I'm just like no and I just ghost them um but I I do that all the time and I'm sorry no I do I feel like it's good practice because it is technically socially unacceptable to do that no, I'm sorry. I, no, stop, 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 stop. I'll be, I'll be is, better. No, shut up. Um, stop it. This is why our friendship works. You check on me, and I respond completely ignore. No, <laughs> you respond because you feel bad for me. No, it's all out of pity. Oh my god! You're like, I guess oh. I'll be your co-host because no one else wants to do this. Yeah. Oh my god, that's literally not true. Okay. Uh- <laughs> Let's continue. Sorry, I'm, um, I'm throwing it no, track. No, it's okay. No, I love that. Um, but I think that's where I just I get it. I don't know. I just I understand. I think for me, I understand because while talking to people about my issues is really beneficial and there is great and necessary growth that comes from sharing your lived experiences with people and talking them out and getting insight. I know for me, I'm a very easily influenced person when it comes to processing my own emotions, which is really interesting. Like, I find that I push back a lot when it's about stuff that isn't actually tied to me. But the second it's like (laughs) about me and I'm like, I'm really upset. And someone's like, that's dumb. You shouldn't be upset. I'm like, oh, you're right. And I just like (laughs) pretend that I'm not. Uh So in a way, like, I find that my greatest processing does not come until I'm doing it on my own. Like, 
when my dad, when my dad died, I was really, really angry for a really long time. And then, and that was like my own grief and my own processing. And I didn't want to talk to people about it. Or if I did, it was like, I'm not even going to say what I used to say. Cause it was like really gross and really disrespectful. Um, but it was really unhealthy. And then I was like with a par- an ex partner and he was like, you need to just like, you need to feel this way about it. And I was like, oh, you're right. And I just like adopted that for a really long time. Um, and it didn't happen until after we had broken up that I was like, oh, that was wrong. Like I have to process on my own first. And then I finally did like the actual work of processing the grief. And, but, and like, there's people along the way, obviously, who are helping me through that. Like if I'm having a rough moment, I can text like my best friend or my sisters and be like, oh my God, like, I'm really upset about this. And they're like, I'm so sorry. But like, I don't think particularly with like the concept of grief, which I think is a lot of what Fern's actions are navigating around. Mm-hmm. I don't think full grief processing truly comes until you have internally dealt with it and done the work. And I don't think, I don't think that can always come from other people being there for that moment. I think a lot of that does come from those isolated, quiet moments where it's just you and like what you're feeling, if that makes sense. So that's that, to- where- that totally makes sense. Yeah, okay. definitely. There's definitely... <laughs> There's definitely a balance that that you need to have because yeah. a lot of it is is internal. But I feel like when you get too internalized with it, because it's it's so it's so good to process those tough emotions internally. But then if you internalize everything, then it can become unhealthy. Yep. And and yep. and I, I'm very I'm very similar to you, Clara. I I don't necessarily like to talk about the bigger things with other people mm-hmm. because I love helping. I love being the person to give advice, but getting advice, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. Thank you though. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> so, but, but at the same time, it can be kind of a scary thing when you're navigating it all on your own. So I, I definitely mm-hmm. think that there's a balance there that needs to, I mean, and every person's different too. Everyone mm-hmm. has a different way of, of processing grief and and all of that. So I'm, and I'm no expert, (laughs) right. (laughs) For me, I mean, for me, like I, I think processing things on my own is very helpful, but then I Mm -hmm. also think, um, when, when you articulate things and explain, explain things to someone else, sometimes like your sort of internal biases can, can become more obvious like if you're Mm, if you're blaming yourself for for something Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it just all makes sense in your head and you've been doing it for years and then you say like and I feel like I feel like the reason we broke up is because you know I was horrible to her and they're like no she was just an asshole and (laughs) whatever I'm great at these examples by the way But, (laughs) but I mean I mean you you tend to like internalize things in a way that isn't always healthy. And so I think that sort of internal work needs to be done. It's sort of, it's sort of a combination where you do, at least in my experience, you do also need to like tell other people, or at least it accelerates the process if you're able to sort of articulate it. That totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I think in Fern's case, like, she has a lot of people that are willing to listen. And I think so what's sort of interesting in the in the in the um in the conversation with 
um, Santa man, the guy with the beard. Bob. Um, Bob. Yeah, thank you, Clara. Always yeah. with the character names. <laughs> um, is that you only hear his monologue, but you, through that monologue, you can sort of assume she's told him her story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm happy. So, but that's, but that's almost what, what sort of gets her to the point where she is getting rid of the stuff and fully like moving on from, from her past relationship. And so it is good to see when she's, you know, sort of finding her space with people where she's comfortable, um, where she's comfortable opening up to them. And I just like, I want that for her, I guess. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the, the really cool arcs that you kind of see is because the, the nomadic community that she's in, they seem like they're very open with a lot of their losses and a lot of the struggles that they've had all throughout the movie. And so when you do get to that scene where it seems like she's kind of shared that part of herself, um, cause I, I, if I remember correctly, it's, it's toward the end, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so when, when she does get to that point, you know, that community has been there the whole time and she finally decides to kind of take them up on their offer of, of that comfort. So it definitely is, you know, a, a progression that she, <laughs> that she had. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Just on a like a totally side note, like most of the time to win best actress, like everyone's looking for that one scene where you're crying and you're screaming and you're you know, <laughs> the, the teacup is shaking and-, <laughs> <laughs> and you never get that here. And it's yeah. again a testament to the great performance that you that we loved it so much despite not having that crazy tantrum scene that like, <laughs> you know, that, that she still wins and we all love this character so much. You don't, you don't need that. I mean, look, I mean, even like in the father, I mean, Anthony Hopkins had that at the end where, yeah. where he, where he breaks down and, you know, you're crying with him and everything, or I am, right. but <laughs> <laughs> No, I am too. Don't worry. Okay. But but yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't get that in, in this, in this film and all. And it's almost implied that it's edited out as I'm sort of talking about with that, with that scene Mm. where, where he's sort of responding to her struggle, where you get his side and you just don't get her, her telling her story at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's a great point. And I think in a way it's fascinating because I would argue like the one other like the one other nomination that I think a lot of people expected to win was Carrie Mulligan's and I right. feel like her character doesn't necessarily have that huge explosion of emotion either like she's mm-hmm. just very well po- poised throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing so it's fascinating that we're seeing that shift I really that's a great yeah. point Ethan I like that a lot oh, I, I do you. too yeah you guys are too good to be <laughs> With with promising young woman, you kind of have that that restrained anger all throughout the film, and I think with Nomadland, you have almost a restrained kind of sadness, and mm-hmm. um, especially when she's she's having those conversations too. One thing that I liked is that they didn't a lot a lot of times movies, especially when they're going for you know a best actress nomination, best actor nomination, they'll show the actor or actress reacting to things. Mm. And I feel like with a lot of the conversations that were had in Nomadland, they really gave uh, the real people their space to tell their story. And, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't necessarily show how she was reacting, but they, they showed how they were feeling while telling their story, which, which I loved. 
<laughs> Can I make a confession about my my rewatch today? Yes. Of yes. course. Uh, I have to. So I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I get like really, really bad, like secondhand embarrassment from movies, like to the point where like I full on freak out, like I cannot handle it. So today while I was watching, I fast forwarded through the scene where Dave breaks Fern's dishes. Oh, I covered my eyes during oh that. My God, so oh I my literally God. had to turn away from the screen. <laughs> it's mortifying. It's, it's so painful. I just like the significance of that moment is like really important, but I just, I couldn't handle it again. Like the first time I watched it, I was so mortified. And it made me so sad. And so when it was coming up, I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I just, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> from, from both sides too, because, you know, I, I have those very few like special personal possessions where if something ever happened to them, I would just, totally. I don't know what I would do. And I hate yeah. to say that, you know, that I care so much about this materialistic thing, but I, I really do. And then at the same time, if I ever did that to someone else's possession, I just, yeah, oh <laughs> no, it's, it's. <laughs> Not, like not Clara relating to a male character or anything, right? Like that would be <laughs> insane. But, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I mean, like it's it's such an upsetting scene, and it's like it's done so well because you it's it's not like he made a clear mistake, like as opposed mm-hmm. to it's not like he was like clumsy with the dishes, like yeah, he just, he just picks up the box and-, <laughs> and he thinks it's gonna hold from underneath and. It's a sad scene. It's a and tough I understand. One. I, understand. One. <laughs> I understand why you skip it. Yeah. If there was like literally one, like there's only one thing I would change about this movie, and it would be I would just cut that out. I would just not have that there. I don't want that there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a I have a couple like notes. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. I literally don't know how this this woman's gonna direct a Marvel movie. Like, I just don't. This style is just. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, can you picture it? I can't. Um, well, she's she's actually going to have actual superheroes in the movie, just like Nomadland. She's going to take the <laughs> superheroes. And she's going to find gonna... the superheroes. <laughs> lovely. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, oh no, I mean, God. I just don't know how this is going to work in a Marvel. How is this going to work in a Marvel movie? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly nervous about it, especially because, like, I think it's fair for us to say, like, Disney plays a very large role in how the Marvel movies actually turn out. True. And so they have a big creative voice. (laughs) Yeah. And like, especially from Nomadland, where it was such a small crew and cast, and that intimacy, and that, like, obviously, I don't know for sure, but it sounds so much like she just had complete creative control over everything. Well, she edited, directed, and like, adapted yeah. the screenplay yeah exactly yeah. We had a pretty big producer yeah. i would say <laughs> low-key um <laughs> like to go from that to arguably one of the most like corporate franchises that <laughs> currently exists it's today, hard to picture it makes me nervous <laughs> yeah I to will... go from <laughs> yeah go, oh, go ahead, ahead. I was just going to say to go from, you know, the, the cowboy film to this to a Marvel big box office superhero film. They're stylistically uh, <laughs> they're a bit different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There, there's there's a there's a bit of a difference between the two. So it's um, or the three. It's it's going to be interesting to see. 
Well, I mean, I was I was doing I was watching like a YouTube video recently, which explains a lot of like why sort of Marvel looks very consistent throughout different directors and everything is how much of it um how much of at least like the fight scenes and like the heavy CGI scenes are right. done in previs, which I was telling Clara because I only have so many stories and I've yep. talked to you for so long, and so you're just gonna have to hear me repeat them. I but, love it, <laughs> but um, but no, like 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 previs is basically where they they will cgi scenes before the director steps in and so it's 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 done to the point of precision now in a lot of these movies where um where they're like this is how you move the camera in and this is where the actors Mm -hmm. stand and they're going to be right there and then the camera and then that's going to happen in the background and so what you get is like actually like cgi artists directing a lot more like having a lot more say in like what what's actually coming out on screen and so right. i mean for better or for worse like the directors the 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 name that is associated with like the director of that movie just has less of a say in every scene but i mean my thought is just like given how sort of empathetic and amazing chloe zhao is I, it can't mm-hmm. be bad it just like it won't be bad i just don't yeah. know how it will be i guess yeah i have i'm i'm rooting for her that's that's really oh, the only yes. thing i have to say is i'm i'm rooting for her and i hope that i hope that disney gives her the creative control that she deserves totally. and she has her say in it but i have no idea how it's gonna come out <laughs> yes I, I also as a oh sorry no 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 you go as a side note like Kumail Nanjiani buffed out for this movie and it feels like we've had buff Kumail for years and I have not seen a trailer yet for this movie I'm like how long has this movie been in production like he fucking buffed out for this and like like he's been buff for like since like 20 so for like four years I'm like what's going on I love how that's the timeline that you're seriously do you remember do you remember when Kumail buffed out it was like a big moment in our lives No, it's literally like how Chris Pratt buffed out. Chris Pratt yeah. was so cute and like fluffy and then he buffed <laughs> the fuck out and now he's still buff. Like that's what it is. <laughs> um, the the other thing, okay, not the other thing, but the, the way I'm looking at Chloe's new tie to the Marvel franchise is the same way I'm looking at Barry Jenkins' tie to the next Lion King movie, which is that they're going to get so much money and it's going to be great because <laughs> then the next thing they do after that is going to be so epic because they'll have all right. this Disney money. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> Let me that's, just, that's very true. I yeah. understand this. Let me just say I have, I have more, I have more hope in the Chloe Zhao Eternals yeah. movie being good yeah. than the Barry Jenkins Lion King CGI. 2 live yeah. action movie. This being is good. true. This is totally but, true. <laughs> either way, it's like get your money. Get your yeah. money because they're waiting for you. <laughs> yes. I respect the hustle. Go go Res- do your always passion respect project. The hustle. <laughs> exactly. I um, I believe in giving indie directors more money. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Jim Cummings do a Marvel movie and cast oh himself. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I can't wait till we get Jim Cummings on this podcast. Um, that'd be cool. So, cool trick award. I really just didn't know for this movie. Do you have any thoughts, Clara, on this? 
Um, I would, I mean, it's hard to nominate anyone other than Fern because like <laughs> we're following Fern for so much, but I will, I will nominate Fern for, it's, it's actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie near the beginning. She, there's that montage where she's kind of traveling through Montana and she has that moment where she's floating in that stream just like down river oh and it's yeah. so like peaceful but I think that's a cool trick in that she's able to just completely like relax her body enough to where she's just letting herself be carried down this stream I think that is a cool trick that is oddly a cool trick yeah do you guys make a cool trick fully and she's naked <laughs> <Lovely>. full frontal <laughs> <laughs> seriously honestly I've, I haven't had trouble with it so much until now yeah I thought of another one yeah. Um, Francis McDermott actually crocheted those little pot holders that she was. Oh, that away. is a cool trick. <gasps> That's a oh, cool trick yeah. too. <laughs> That's a super cool trick. That would be cool the trick. winner. <laughs> That's a. We can go with the pot holders. Yeah, I'm because I'm not hey. sure I can. I can think of. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is is that that scene where she's walking alongside the ocean and the camera's kind of following her and. Um, you see her eyes kind of get teary, but that could have just been the wind. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Old actress. Frances McDormand isn't a good a actress. It's just the no. wind. She's new. She doesn't know how to cry on demand. No, this. <laughs> <laughs> She's only somewhat famous. Yeah. Oh, my one God. One day, though. <laughs> Never outliving that one. Um, <laughs> uh, any other Any other thoughts before we wrap this up? I do have a final thought. It yes. was the one, the singular note I took, um, and I was really excited. I was so up. bad at taking notes, you guys. I just like was in it. <laughs> you, yeah, you just you you know you just get so engrossed in this movie. Yeah, it seriously. goes by mm-hmm. so fast. Like I was like shocked by how quickly it felt like it ended. Um, but what I think is so wonderful about this movie is. At the very end, we get the huge monologue from Bob, which is like really important. And it, it's him talking about how like, oh, we don't actually say goodbye to people. Like we just like say like goodbye for now, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think it's really easy to see that as like the final moment of dialogue. But what actually is the very final line of dialogue is when Fern is selling all of her remaining stuff from the storage unit um, to like obviously someone she knows from town that she used to live in. Um, the very final line of dialogue is him saying to her, see you later. And I thought that was so cool because like, she's obviously not coming back to that town. It's gone. The zip code is discontinued. And so I thought that was so awesome that the very last line we get is exactly what Bob was speaking on, which is that we're not ever actually saying goodbye to people like for real, like it's just a like goodbye for now. So I thought that was really cool. That is cool. But also yeah. does that does that does that imply a nomad land too? Oh my god. <laughs> After well. Disney, she's she's gonna be hooked on sequels. That's <laughs> more sad Francis McDormand I needed in my life. Yeah, I, I love that whole philosophy of saying, you know, instead of saying goodbye, you just say see you later, see you down the road. And um one of one of the things at the end that stood out to me was the kind of the juxtaposition of the New Year's Eve celebration where the first time you see her on New Year's Eve, she's just sitting alone, kind of celebrating by herself. And then the second time, the next year you see her on New Year's Eve, she's sitting alone and then she goes out and she's waving a sparkler around and she, you know, says happy New Year's to, to these two people. So it just seems like she's a little bit more 
integrated into the community, which I, I just those little things I, I love to see, but I didn't even pick up on the, the see you later on, on the moving truck. So that's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, see, I didn't even pick up on the new year's like change and how she was celebrating that holiday. So that's perfect. Cause <laughs> this that's is, this so is why cool. we work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and that, and, and like the New Year's thing is interesting because I, I couldn't tell in that moment if it's that she's more comfortable in herself and her surroundings or if it's, mm-hmm. or if it's that she's sort of more desperate for human interaction because mm-hmm. she's really going around just like, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And like, I couldn't tell if she's like craving that or if or or if she's sort of or if she's fully embraced that lifestyle almost. Right. Like, I feel like she's fully embraced the lifestyle because I feel like it's what we get in a way is when I feel like Fern is at her most comfortable. She's so like goofy and like almost like loud and like kind of like takes up more space wherever she's at. Like a good (laughs) example is like when she's at the zoo with Dave and she's just screaming about the alligator, like losing her mind. And like, (laughs) so I... (laughs) So I see a lot of the moments where she's more like outspoken and like engaged as like her truly like feeling settled and like comfortable with who she's around more than like her so desperate for something that like she's just kind of pushing herself to do it almost. That's yeah, fair. I would I would definitely agree. I want to take the optimist approach and, and say that she's just <laughs> yeah. she's happier. Implying she's that place. Clara would ever take the optimist <laughs> approach. Like <laughs> you don't know Clara. This is my oh, one <laughs> optimist moment of the year. <laughs> oh man. No, yeah, yeah no, I totally I, feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any more thoughts. I was just <laughs> I was just agreeing one more time because I was happy that Clara took the optimist approach. Yes. yes. Yeah, please we affirm wanna, it. We want to encourage that behavior. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, any any sort of final thoughts on the movie, Elena? Uh, no, just I, I I hate like piggybacking off of everything that yeah, that, that you both have been saying, but um yeah, no, it was just it, it feels like, like I said earlier, such a genuine film and like a hopeful film too, especially with that ending line of, of saying, see you later, you know, that mm-hmm. it, it, the film doesn't even really end. It just kind of, I mean, it ends, but with that see you later line, it's like, well, it, it does keep going on for a lot of these people. They, they continue living this nomadic life and see, having these connections and seeing these people again. And, and I think that there's a lot of beauty in that. That's good. I like that. Well, it's been really fun having you on, Elena. This was this was awesome. I've absolutely loved it. I'm so glad I, I started listening to the podcast. And- <laughs> <laughs> of course, no. of course. Well, no, I'm it's, glad. It's, it's been it's been a highlight. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, if you have listened to the end, you might know that I I have guests wrap up by saying a quote from a movie they love in character. Um, no. do you have <laughs> the panic I on your face? face. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm almost tempted to do, do a quote from, <laughs> from Nomadland. Yeah, no, you're allowed to do this do movie. It. You're allowed to do a different movie. Yeah. Well, I feel like Nomadland fits so perfectly because you could just say, you know, see you down the road. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can Very character go. though. As, as a former actor. Grow, <laughs> Grow a beard. Grow a beard. Bro. Do it now. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, let me so let me try funny. to conjure up my best alto. All right, ready? See you down the road. Oh, oh wait, no. what the heck? That was so good. <laughs> You're down the I, wasn't, road. I was an actor. <laughs> I feel like I if you ever played <laughs> Webkins. I sounded like the the curio shop guy. If you've ever played, <gasps> you totally did. Oh my god, I <laughs> love that. <laughs> oh man. Well, oh, man. thank you for uh, performing on command, Elena. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was great having you on. It was, it was, a, it was such, so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag and I will see you next week.